1: So I'm delighted to be here today with Ellen Grace O'Brien and we are going to be talking about her new book The Jewel of Abundance Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And uh I forgot to mention to you Ellen that um this will be coming out at the at the beginning of the year so it'll be a nice uh way for people who are setting New Year's intentions for prosperity to engage with this book and this work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: So before we get into this really, really beautiful uh, telling of how to apply yogic principles to creating abundance in every area of your life. Can you just give us a little bit of background about how you came to the spiritual path?
2: Um sure, thank you. Um y- you know, I found out even though I I thought that my story was unique <laughs> <laughs> um, I found out that um, it's, it's not at all unique. Um, but of course, everybody comes, you know, in their with their own particular circumstances. But in, in the larger picture, you know, what drew me to the path was yearning. Um, and it was a yearning for something, you know, I, I felt a sense of um, emptiness, but you know, not in a good way. Um, you know, a sense of in, in, even like being outside of my own life, to where I couldn't connect um, in a deep way with what would bring me happiness or satisfaction. It was like it was all there, but you know what? Whatever it was, with a capital I, whatever it was, that would give me a sense of. Um, Deeper happiness and um meaning. I didn't know I didn't know how to find it. and um so you know, and I remember that feeling. I, I remember the feeling of just sort of, you know, the image I have in my mind is myself as a young woman, um, at the time in my life, you know, when it seemed like everything should have been quote unquote perfect, um, there was just this longing that I had that I didn't know how to fill. And I remember the image I have like standing at the window in my home, like just looking outside with this sense of longing. And um, so, you know, I had a prayer, I think, that arose from my heart at that time, which was, you know, probably along the lines of help me, help me, help me, you know, like, how do I find my way? And, um, and not too long after that, I, I met my teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, who's an American yogi. And uh, he's a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. So through him, I found out uh, about the path of Kriya Yoga. And uh, the main shift that happened for me was learning how to find, in a sense, what I was looking for, learning how to enter that temple of the soul, the temple of the self, you know, to discover um, my own connection to wisdom, to truth, to happiness. So, um, you know, that was more than 35 years ago. And once I found that path, um, it was so deep and profound that, you know, even at this point in my life, I haven't exhausted it. I'm still learning. um, And I'm still... um, Finding that that connection, and uh, which I would say is with our own self, but a capital S, um, is is what we are all yearning for. What we're all looking for.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. the The yearning is, you know, such a beautiful word. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, it's a little different than longing. Right. There's a, there's an active aspect to Mm -hmm. yearning where longing seems to have some sort of passive thing going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm just curious about what (laughs) was it in your heart that allowed you to connect with this particular path? I think
2: what happened was when I when I heard uh, my teacher expound, you know, on um, really basic Vedic principles, you know, the essence of Vedanta, which is really, you know, thou art that this is the truth of your being. So. Um, I had read the teachings, you know, I was, at that time, I had, you know, gone to college and uh, explored, you know, various um, pathways, and I had read these teachings, I was a fan of Alan Watts at the time, so I had some, and, you know, he, he was drawing a lot from Vedanta, so I had some exposure to it, but meeting someone who's living it, you know, who deeply understands it, knows about it, um, there is a transmission that, of that that occurs. And so um, for me, it it was that I heard the teachings in a way that mm, there was an opening inside of me to receive them. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question.
1: Well, I think it does, because it it sounds like it was a some sort of resonance. That, yes. That you had kind of been dabbling in the mind and intellectual like angles at getting to the answer for what was this thing that was missing. Mm-hmm. And then you landed in that the this is I am that. Exactly.
2: And what happened was when I heard him speak, when I heard the teachings, I didn't have an argument. And up until that point, when I had, you know, seen teachers or I'd gone places, um, I, I I could find something that I connected with, but there was always an argument at some juncture. Um, and so this time, there was no argument, and also there was the experience. You know, we meditated together, and um, and so he in a sense showed me that doorway uh, into myself and helped me, you know, to identify, you know, what was beyond mind and, you know, myself as the witness, as the observer. So um, it was, as you say, there was that resonance and also um, the experience, you know, which makes all the difference, having, having the experience and, um, and and I really didn't know what it was at the time. And I wasn't looking for a guru. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I would say that yearning was evidence that I was looking for that.
1: Right. And well, the, having the experience, that's, you know, in talking about abundance, I feel like that can be a, a major... Uh, resistance point or uh reactionary point of people in trying to step into that natural state of abundance and 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 having an idea of what that experience should be like having an idea yeah. of you know possibly the material manifestation of that or the you know <laughs> the um the way that they think it should look or even the way that they think it should feel.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, especially there is a, a general idea that prosperity is about material wealth, which, um, it is so much broader and deeper than that. And it hearkens to our own experience of fullness. Um, And so it's about the experience of your own wholeness so that in order to live a prosperous life, there's a switch from, you know, basically lack to abundance that has to do with the deep experience of the self to where you know that what you are is enough. You know, what you are is whole, is full, is sufficient, Um, you know. Coming from that experience of thou art that, you know, you are um, supreme consciousness, you you are that um, essential essence itself. And so, from that fullness, then there's a different way of approaching life, there's a different way of approaching of, um, going out and, um, engaging in the world versus from a sense of lack, you know, I need this, I want that, um, that, that has us, um, uh, it, 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 all I can say is it's coming from a uh, an ignorant place you know to where then we use people and think we use them and the earth gets used in that way you know it's like not enough and when you come from that not enough place you always need more and more and so you know then we see the the way that people use one another we see the plundering of the earth coming from that basic um egoic viewpoint of i need i want it's mine <laughs> Versus, right When you're really yeah. just,
1: when you're really just taking from yourself, <laughs> once you're in yeah. that mindset, you're just taking from yourself. It reminds me yeah. of, a uh, um, uh, Lama Siltram Alioni told me a story and about, uh, an indigenous elder in Colorado teaching her to, uh, pull a hair from her own head and leave it anytime she pulled anything from the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that she would know how the earth felt. So, uh-huh. I think that that um, you know, I guess actually I'll ask you. You know, that is that the co- the concept then of from the Vedantic point of view, the concept that's more of an exchange, or circular, and you're talking about just coming from wholeness. It,
2: Yes, absolutely. There's the recognition that it there's it's all one. so there and that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book is that I have this um, sort of radical vision that you know it's time for us to heal the split you know, between our so-called spiritual life and our material life. And so many people that I've worked with over the years, you know, that that um, split, which has been around for a long time in the global consciousness, um, you know, still affects how we see one another, how we see our work in the world, how we see prosperity, how we see, you know, the global situation. So it's a switch in, in, in seeing it all as as sacred all as one so it's not you know my spiritual life meditating on the cushion and then i go to work and that's you know something different and money is totally something different right no it's it's just an expression of that one reality and you know it's helpful if we learn that so we can approach it to the best of our ability in a in a sacred way
1: right I'd like to hear your thoughts on how we're going to make that switch. <laughs> now, I know that you've written a, a really beautiful book that really, I mean, I honestly does a delightful job of bringing really deep spiritual principles into uh, uh, clearly easy, easy to intake language and then melding it with this, this whole idea. But, so you've already done that work. (laughs) But now I'm just asking you, how do you think we're going to make that switch? Like, what's your vision for, for making that switch?
2: Well, um, luckily, you know, according to the teachings from the vedas you know we're all destined to make that switch you know it's just really waking up and and we and we do live in a world that's waking up so part of it is just claiming that right and and um deciding to be a part of that and deciding to 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 see that, um, to come from that place and to see that place, and so you know, I'm thinking as I say that to you of a prayer that that Yogananda had, which was about seeing the the light of divine love awakened and shining in hearts everywhere. So is this like this consciousness of being willing to call that forth and being um, dedicated to it, and because it's just one reality, you know, and we're in that, we're of that that we're participating in it, we do have an ability to call forth um, higher awareness. Um, you know, but of course, first we access it in ourselves, and then we're sort of committed to seeing that you know, wherever we go and um, cultivating it. So you know, there's so many things, and of course, there are many things I talk about in the book, but you know, one of them is as simple as relating to one another you know, soul to soul. Or or that to that, you know, however you want to say it, um, to get out of the mindset of, you know, when we're in the ego-based mind, you know, we're looking with critical mind, we're comparing, um, we're competing, and, um, you know, we're never going to get rid of that ego mind. We, we need that, but it can be transformed, um, it can be clarified so that um, we're aware of it. And then we're aware of how we approach others, how we approach life.
1: Yeah, I really love that reflection of uh, committing to that. So once you have that awakened in yourself, then I'm committed to seeing that in the rest of the of the world. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and life, um, you know, life becomes so tender and so in a sense painfully beautiful you know when the heart opens um, you know we have the ability then to feel and to see um, this Tender vulnerability, you know, of all creatures, of human beings, and also to, you know, feel the deep suffering, you know, that goes on in our world and and the, the cruelty and, you know, all of that is all there. Um, and so it's, it's also an exercise of learning how to keep our heart open, um, in the midst of, you know, the, just the profound beauty of life and the profound, uh, suffering.
1: Right. Keeping that open, right. It's a commitment not only to seeing the the beauty, but to seeing the whole, right. Uh
2: Uh-huh. And it's, and it's all, it's all there, um, and then, the, you know, the commitment that we have, of course, the best of our ability is to not contribute to suffering, um, and to do our best, you know, to, um, you know, the first law of of dharma, the first law in in the, on the yoga path is ahimsa, you know, um, nonviolence, um, and its fulfillment, really. Um, the fulfillment of that law is compassion or love. And to be in the world with mm-hmm. that commitment um, is really a key um, to prosperous living. Those are, those are connected.
1: <laughs> right. To be in the world with that commitment to love, to seeing one another as souls. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yeah. you, it's, it's something great. Yes. I'm all for that. So you say here in the Jewel of Abundance, true wealth is access to resources on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. It is the expression of a harmonious relationship with spirit, nature, and all of life. Those who know how to work with the spiritual laws of prosperity discover that lasting, sustainable wealth is not only possible, It is the natural, easeful expression of an awakened life. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So that's the kind of summary of what we've just been talking about. Yeah. But there's also in that, at least for me, a bit of anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if I'm not... If I'm, if my bank account doesn't look this way, if I'm not attracting the resources that I need, does that mean that my relationship with spirit is a mess and what am I going to do? And I thought I had a good relationship Mm -hmm. with God and (laughs) Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you, um, how do you hold that?
2: Well, uh, you know, the big, the big turn really is getting out of identifying um, material resources as our prosperity. So, you know, the, and a lot of the book is, a, is about that, you know, learning how to claim and identify uh, what we would call spiritual resources, which is our relationship with the infinite. So um, it, 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 it may be a little... Um, mystifying at first, but it is possible um, not to have money in the bank and still experience yourself as prosperous. Um, one of the teachings that I quote is a, uh, is a favorite verse from the Bhagavad Gita, which is in the second chapter, the 40th verse, which is, you know, uh, on this path, um, no obstacle can long prevail and there is no failure even a little bit of this practice removes great fear. And so we have to think about, okay, well, you know, what is this path um, where the obstacles don't prevail and there is no failure? So, you know, if, if your prosperity path is about, you know, amassing money and then you don't, you know, reach that goal, then, you know, you're attached to a particular outcome and then there's failure. But if your goal is about, um, expanding your consciousness growing as a human being um, becoming more serviceful in the world everything that we do in that regard is um you know as as ramdas would say grist for the mill right so there is no failure in that we're, we're continually growing more continually learning and um so um yeah, I think that's the best way to put it, and the removing great fear is about, <clears throat> of course, the ultimate fear is the fear of death, and it's um, removing that identification um, with the mind and the body, um, you know, instead of thinking, you know, I'm a soul, you know, I am a, I, I am a body and a mind. I have a soul, right? It's no, you, you don't have a soul. That's the ego's perspective. But you, you are the soul. You are that operating through mind and body. So um, it, I, I do want to say, I do want to address, though, that... Um, of course, it's really important that we learn how to meet our basic needs and, you know, to have some money in the bank. And really, the book is also about that, like what kind of skills can we draw from our spiritual life to be able to attract the resources we need, which include money um, to do the work that we're inspired to do in the world. So, you know, one of the things is, of course, getting over the split that there's our spiritual life and then there's money. So we, we learn how to work with it as a continuum of energy. We also learn about the principles of integrity on in life that are there on the path of yoga that help us have a right relationship with money and then principles of mind and consciousness that can help us attract what we need.
1: Right. Great. Thank you for that clarification. And, and I, and I guess when I, I, I could see how if you set yourself up for some particular outcome that then your outcome (laughs) you're you're already in the split
2: exactly and you know most of us can you know we do have the the school of hindsight you know that most of us have been to right where we really really wanted something and you know it didn't come to be Um, but then you know very often we've had the experience at least I have you know that oh I'm I'm pretty glad that didn't happen because, you know, then there was this, right? And so I've learned um, that it is important it's important to have goals. It's important to have aims, but um, you you have to hold them according to the teachings of yoga. And what I found most effective is to um, be, completely um, dedicated to them and also hold them loosely. So, um, you know, I gave a talk last week that was called Taking Charge and Letting Go. So it's that sort of paradoxical way of being fully committed to uh, what we believe is the right thing to do and is in the greater good, but then um, being open to how things will move and change as we as we move towards that goal.
1: Yeah, it seems to me that once in my experience, I've commit to something and then what I've also committed to is the overcoming of whatever. <laughs> Obstacles mm-hmm. are in the path of that. So to know what it takes to arrive at the actual destination, you know. Yeah. You have to be uh both driver and passenger. <laughs>
2: That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And and I've also um I've also identified in in the book that actually the commitment that we need um, most of all is the commitment to our own joy, Um, that, you know, there's no sense in – Following our dreams following our goals in life and being miserable along the way, you know That's why one of the four goals of life besides, you know Dharma and Arta which is wealth is kama, which is pleasure Mm -hmm. and then of course uh, Moksha which is liberation so The commitment that we have that helps us follow the path in a graceful way is a commitment to our own aliveness It's a commitment as Mm -hmm. you know, Joseph Campbell said follow your bliss Um, um so it's a commitment to staying in touch with um our own sense of um the uh, of ananda the soul's bliss or joy
1: absolutely and in, in uh, chapter 10 of the book uh meditate and experience wholeness very clearly <laughs> titled <laughs> the idea of being fulfilled just as we are is compelling A sigh of relief comes when we recognize that we are already complete. Yet the idea of fullness alone will not actually free us. Beyond grasping the concept, it is necessary to experience our wholeness. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between reading the menu and eating the meal. Only eating the meal does that. So how did you come to taking your spiritual focus, uh, and applying it to the path of prosperity?
2: Well, I talked, uh, in the beginning in our, in our conversation about the yearning that I had, you know, to To for something that I had to get clear about what it was um, as, you know, the truth of my own being. But there is also the yearning within us all, which, you know, I have named the prosperity imperative, which is the inclination of life with a capital L to express its fullness, you know, through each of us. So in my tradition, you know, um, my my teacher is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. So those teachings came to me uh, through him. And when you study Yogananda's life, and Yogananda was a you know great sage, a great soul, um, he was also really engaged in doing his work in the world and he wasn't afraid to have goals and he wasn't afraid to, you know, bring forth the the resources that, that were needed. And we see that with, you know, many of the great spiritual teachers all over the world and those who came to the West in particular. So um, it's, you, you, if you, to me it is, Uh, And I have said it this way, we're called to be the growing edge of love in the world. And so it's a way in which we get beyond the constricted, constrained, egoic self when we open up to our fuller potential, which is to contribute um, our our gifts, our talents, you know, for the well-being of all.
1: Right. So again, not separate, whole.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Right. And, and through the leadership of the lineage that you found this truth in, it seems to be uh, expressed in, in the world, expressed in the world, not just yeah. in the inner world.
2: Yeah, but somehow, you know, we, we maintain that illusion. I think, you know, I hear it all the time, you know, that um, that spirituality is something you you go do uh, separate and apart, you know, from your life. And, of course, it doesn't take much spiritual practice before, you know, we, we figure out that we need to learn to live it in the world. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Um, so, and, and, you know, on the path of yoga, there's... You know, great teachings um, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Yoga Sutra, in the Vedas, you know, for living in the world as uh, spiritual beings. So it's all there,
1: of course, right? Of course, and and uh, and Krishna in the chariot with Arjuna is, <laughs> you know, clarifying this is your dharma, exactly. So you know, so you do speak, you know, a bit about dharma finding, and. I, I mean, I guess I'd love to get your thoughts. I feel like, as my spiritual life has unfolded um and deepened and continued, I have um, my Dharma has shifted. My relationship to it has has shifted. There's some things, like you said, being of service in the world that have become imperative, and then there's um, like, you know a whole other aspect of this incarnation that that needs expression, so I'm just curious about that like what you think about um, that evolution over the course of one's life and how directing that energy can work
2: I think that um, as we engage in uh, our spiritual practice our sadhana Um, and for me you know meditation is principal tool for that because it is about you know clarifying the mental field and then having the direct experience of the self so you know as we do that I think our discernment becomes clarified our intuition is awakened and we do begin to see more clearly and we begin to feel more deeply what is ours to do. And interestingly enough, you know, I have found in my own life and in, and in the lives of many students that I work with that um, it has a way of circling back. And what what I mean by that is that You know, going back to those yearnings, the yearning to express ourselves in our fullness, what I've called the prosperity imperative, you know, so it's a call of the soul. It really was there um, for me in my life, you know, in my youth and um, but not in its fullness, you know, just in seed form, little yearnings that I had. And, um, and talents that I had interests that I had. So, you know, I find, you know, people are, you know, when they hear about Dharma, you know, they're mostly looking outside of themselves, outside of their own lives. You know, what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, I, there's this big word called Dharma now, and I'm supposed to do it. But in in my sense is that Dharma is really about our own becoming. It's about, you know, becoming what we have always been in our potential, but in our fullness.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's really it's a you know in the in the, in meditation in the in the last six months I kept having this thing about acting, and I was like, "What in the world is this about?" And uh, I was like, "You know, if it be your will, will, well." well lo and behold, like a month and a half later, I was offered a part in a, in a series. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then showed up for that. And now that you're saying that I totally had forgotten how much it was grade school. When I was was in theater, Uh I wasn't, I hadn't done it since. Uh So, um, that's really cool. And, and it was from that being in that surrendered place that I was available to that possibility, Yeah, which seemed and completely it, out of left field and totally, uh, you know, not a, a, um, sane or sober path to <laughs> trying to create abundance at this point in my life.
2: Uh-huh, but, um, uh-huh. yeah. But, but was there some joy in oh, it? I
1: loved it. It was, fantastic and <laughs> yeah. it was a, and it became a spiritual practice you know it was very uh-huh. it was very uh spiritual for me to uh-huh. be to be in it I was uh in communication with my uh guru in within through the whole uh-huh. yeah. process and it was quite beautiful
2: totally I can totally relate <laughs> and you know and and the other thing is that you know When people look at Dharma as a job, you know, which it is not, you know, Dharma is our path of being our path of becoming, Um, there are going to be many ways in which those talents and abilities are expressed. And uh, again, you know, the the key is um, that inner joy that sort of start begins to open up, even if it's hard, the joy is there.
1: Exactly. Even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging, there's joy there and, and remembering what that is, you know, Uh and allowing that to be alighted. So, okay, great, Ellen. So one more thing, and then we'll get, get to the end, but, um, generosity.
2: It's the last
1: chapter. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, the the last chapter is really, it's the spoiler, you know, that um, it, it's about becoming wealth, you know. So, um, you know, to write a book about prosperity is a little dangerous, you know, in terms of the misconceptions that are out there and what people might think of me writing a book about prosperity. But it, it is really um, a book about uh our own becoming and the ultimate wealth is becoming wealth itself, um, becoming a generative presence in the world so that we're in in a sense living from overflow. So we, we know how to access our own fullness and we know how to bring it into whatever room we walk into And, you know, it becomes a healing presence. And um, so instead of, you know, looking to get, um, we become a a giving presence. And we're not looking to give either. So it's not that, not that. It's simply um, being what we are and um, allowing, you know, uh, the beautiful nature of life Um, to reveal itself.
1: Fabulous. (laughs) So I ask each of my guests to uh, give a specific piece of advice to women and girls on the spiritual path. So I'll offer that to you as we close.
2: One of the great things... Uh, great ideas, great knowings that we can have um, for for girls and as women is to be aware of our own natural abundance. It's very, very clear in women. And so to claim it and to know it, I mean, it's true for everyone, but um, for women, I think we can... Um, more consciously claim our very nature as abundant as generous as giving as prosperous um, and um, free ourselves from thinking that we need anyone or anything else to fill us up you know that's a primary mistake that many women make and I myself made it as a young woman you know thinking that I needed um, somebody else you know to give me permission um, to give me security to bring me happiness and so I would say absolutely not you know you are full you are full there's a beautiful um verse in in the uh, Upanishads, you know, all this is full, all that is full, you know, take fullness from fullness, only fullness remains. And so um, that is my sharing. We can and absolutely, I think we must come from our own fullness.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellen. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and i just want to encourage everybody to go to the shakti hour page at beherenownetwork.com and you'll find a link to get a hold of her latest book the jewel of abundance finding prosperity through the ancient wisdom of yoga and how else can people find you ellen we'll have we'll have a links to all of that on the shakti hour page but you can tell us now too
2: Thank you so much. Um, you can go to my author website, which is Ellen Grace O'Brien, and it's O'Brien with an A, O B R I A N, uh, dot com. And there is a link on my site. Um, for events. And so in the coming year, I will be traveling across the U S and offering many retreats that are intensives on, um, how to find the jewel of abundance in your own life. So I'll be, um, in California at 1440 in the spring. Mm -hmm. I'll be, uh, I'll be in, uh, Omega in New York, also a little later in the spring and uh on the East Coast, and and so forth. So many places like that. So take a look at my events page, and it would be great to see you at a retreat.
1: Oh, I would love to. Uh, I would love to. Uh, when are you at fourteen forty?
2: Um, in April, April nineteenth through
1: twenty-first. Oh, fantastic! It's so beautiful there.
2: It is. Yeah, yeah. I have done I have <laughs> done retreats there before, and. Uh, Isn't it the perfect setting for getting in touch with the Jewel of Abundance? (laughs)
1: Yeah, honestly, it seems like it's just arising from that place.
2: Totally. You can just sit in the infinity pool and contemplate uh, (laughs) overflow.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. I really appreciate your time and I love your book and uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. I hope to meet you in person.
2: Thank you so much. I'll look forward to that too. And thank you for the beautiful uh, work that you're doing uh, in the world and especially uh, this work with Shakti. Um, May Shakti continue to rise and rise.